Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number. That'll cost you 30 cents. It is indeed uh, time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, Afternoon. Uh, here's your first question. Very timely one. My son is three and absolutely terrified of Halloween. Our housing estate is full of the creepiest decorations. They've really gone all out with moving life-size figures, things that scream or laugh as you walk past, skeletons coming out of the ground, etc. My little boy's so terrified he doesn't want to walk through the estate to crash or bring our dog for a walk, one of his favourite things normally. Mm. I know it's only for a short time, but I've never seen him so anxious about leaving the house. How can I help him get over this? I mean, it's not uh, really a short time anymore. No, it's not. Sure it's not. Like, I mean, Halloween has become big business and it's starting as soon as the leaves become autumnal. Oh, that's it. Break out yeah. the, you know, I was going to say the cauldrons, but, you know, break out all of the paraphernalia. And I've noticed, noticed it as well. We were just actually talking about this outside, about how Halloween now is full-on ghouls, full-on scare, full-on house decorations. So I think it has become something else. And it's easy for me to sit here and go, well, one of the things you do is you don't shut off Halloween, don't deny him access to it, and you explain, you know, it's not real, it's all pretend. That's perfect if he was two years older. He's Mm. only three. And actually, if it's imagined, it is real. And it could be real because that blur between what's real and not is absolutely not in place for him at three years old. So it is if you try to put yourself in the place of a child that young and you're walking through your estate, it it is literally like your estate has been hijacked by all these zombies and monsters. And some of them are really realistic looking. It's not the cartoon skeletons and the cartoon looking witches. It's more than that. And I mean... I used to hate Halloween myself. I'll put my hand up and go, I really wasn't into it at all. And I'm sitting here with pumpkin earrings in and a Halloween jumper. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, but I learned to love it because I have a child who loves it Mm -hmm. more than Christmas, favourite time of year. But in saying that, being really conscious of things exactly like this, the inside of our house looks one way and the outside is a little bit more sedate. Yeah, there's a few things up and hanging up and you'd know it's Halloween when you walk by. But I'm also aware that the outside of the house is for people outside of it. Mm. And you you can modify that. Now, I don't want to be sound like a killjoy and people can enjoy and express themselves, of course, the way they want. But this little guy, I'm going to say to you, don't minimise or dismiss his fear because it is his, it's real and there is context to it. This is context specific. I'm afraid of all of those things and creatures (laughs) in the gardens of all the houses we walk by and the noises they make. You could consider noise cancelling headphones to at least eliminate that piece of it Mm. for him, but he's still going to have the visual because it's not just the noises of the things. I'm thinking of the fireworks and the bangers and, you know, all of the stuff that goes with it. I think the poor dog probably isn't too happy either. It's a terrible time for dogs and animals. It really is. I also think, though, at home, you could play Halloween games that don't involve fear. I'm thinking of, you know, when you make the pile, the mountain of flour and you put the grape on top and everyone takes turns slicing away bits of it. And when it collapses, you pick up the grape with your teeth. A little tip on that for a little guy is if you make that mountain out of icing sugar instead of flour, it's a lot more pleasant to put your face into Mm -hmm. and get the grape than if it's flour. You know, doing the bobbing for apples, doing some fun games, baking cookies 
cookies, baking little things that again you're playing with Halloween. There's some lovely activity books and story books. Genius Juniors have a great list. I think there was nine or ten of them on on their list of their whole selection of Halloween and stickers and stickers when you're three. I mean that's currency at three. I mean that's you know so get those kinds of things and inside your house play with the theme of Halloween in a positive, friendly, upbeat, safe way. And then repeating that mantra, that's not real, that's fake, that's pretend, looking at the noise cancelling headphones outside. But I find myself really feeling for him because while yes, you can do all of that, I want to be realistic, Sean, about a three-year-old and you're trying to convince him it's not real when he exists in the realm of Mm. imagination and wonderment. That's really hard. And not everybody loves Halloween. Yeah, Bear in mind, I suppose, when people are door knocking as well, like if you're not, if you don't want to do that, if that's too much for him, you know, maybe do the early part of the day before it's dark and then maybe turn the lights out because that seems to be the understood signal for don't knock on this door if the lights are out. Yeah. Or just maybe just a different route if she can figure out one that's slightly If there less is scary. one, yeah. if there is one. But I've noticed such an increase um, everywhere I've been in the Halloween oh, decorations yeah. and the costumes are all very fancy now. You know, I was saying to my own mother, you got off so lightly when we were kids <laughs> with the costumes. Oh, yeah, Anything know. went. Yeah. <laughs> and there's now, you know, the kind of you put a wreath up now, an autumn wreath. Mm-hmm. Rather than, and that doesn't even seem to be a Halloween thing. No, that's, that's just, for the season. That's just more. Yeah. Yeah. God. Right, sorry, Mr. Killjoy. My five year old is touching herself down there every single day. She does it absent mindedly while watching TV or when we're reading stories at bedtime. I try not to scold her for it, but no matter what I say, she doesn't seem to be able to stop. I've asked her time and time again if she's sore, but she says she isn't and she doesn't know why she does it. I can't see anything physically wrong with her. I worry about infection control, bacteria contamination, and I feel I have to be constantly washing her hands in case she touches her baby brother's face or whatever. I don't want to make her self-conscious, but how can I get her to stop? I mean, in a way, you do want to make her conscious of this behaviour because she's currently doing it absent-mindedly. Mm. What you don't want to do is shame her. Yes, and that's appropriate. Yeah. But you do need to make her aware that she's doing it, which I think you're trying to do because you're having to say it to her quite a bit. Try not to scold her makes me think sometimes a bit of frustration (laughs) might come into this because you're, you know, human at the end of the day when you repeat yourself over and over. But she's, I mean, being curious about our bodies is a very normal, healthy thing for young children, for any of us. You know, finding self-touching pleasurable is very normal and healthy in young children. They're discovering and it may be giving her a sense of comfort and feeling good. So she's doing it and there is nothing else to it. There's nothing sexual to it. It's just it feels good. I get comfort from it. I don't I'm not thinking too much. So when you're saying, you know, why are you doing it? And she's like, I don't know. Believe her. She doesn't know. There isn't anything else to it. I think this parent is right, though, that you do have to be concerned about certain things because children this age, five, I'm thinking she might have started school doing a lot of toileting, independent UTIs with little kids who are not drying themselves properly or maybe emptying their bladders fully is not unusual at this age. So absolutely the first place I would have gone as well is 
is there pain? Is there discomfort? Is she sensitive? Mm. And, you know, certainly check that out and bring her to a doctor if you're concerned about that. Otherwise, you're going to start talking to her about body boundaries that you've seen that it's really hard for her to not do this because she keeps doing it. So you're going to help her. So you're reframing this. I'm not giving out to you. You're not in trouble. Um, But I am going to help you to remember that we don't touch our private parts of our bodies in front of other people. So you're putting the physical boundary down as well. And we always wash our hands before and afterwards. So instead of getting into a narrative of don't touch, don't touch, you're telling her how she can touch or where it might be Mm, appropriate and to keep her hands clean. And again, now she's five. She's not going to go, ah, yes, Eureka, I got it the first few times. <laughs> or I, it's going to take repetition. So, but staying calm, clear, and consistent in how you say it. And again, I said at the start, you know, you're human and you'll get frustrated. Maybe look for a nonverbal signal with her and so that you're going to give her a signal. It might be you rub your nose. It might be you pull your ear, mm. you clap your hands because you might need to pull her attention to you. And she'll know, oops, yeah. And stop what she's doing. So it's going to be a lot of that, but I wouldn't read into it anymore. The risk, I suppose, Sean, if if children are touching themselves a lot like that, is they could hurt themselves. Yeah, yeah. They they could actually cause themselves a hurt. Like like they're having a good old root down there. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's what you do want to. She might not be doing it now because she is sore or tender, but she could become sore or tender. So it is, and again, the bacteria piece and looking out for infection. So... It's not that anything is wrong with what she's doing, but you are going to boundary it to keep her safe on multiple levels. Yeah, yeah, indeed. My ex-husband and I separated about two years ago and my 14-year-old daughter has been playing us against each other. If she's not happy with me, she says I'm somewhat stricter than her father and says I'm not letting her live her life in more dramatic moments. She is often in an argument left and stayed with her father for unscheduled overnight stays. She does the same to him if she's not getting her way and she will just arrive back home and says she's never going back. If I say no to something, he says yes and my daughter knows this. Recently she asked to go to a disco. I said no as I feel she's too young. So she went to him and he said it was fine. We undermine one another in these parenting decisions which only enables her behaviour. Unfortunately, we're not on good terms ourselves due to the breakdown of our marriage. Yes, we talk regarding our daughter but if I ask him not to let her go to that disco, for example, he will say he's happy for her to go and overrule me. How do I stop my daughter playing us against each other and also get my ex to co-parent with me successfully? I'm really struggling with this. It's you, more the first one than the second one. Oh, big time. Because this question of how do I get my daughter to stop playing us against each other? To be honest with you, this isn't an issue with your daughter. Like mm. it really isn't. Yeah. She's 14 years old. And even if you were parenting together in the same house, she would do this. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, would, yeah. um, the difference is she wouldn't be able to go from one house Mm. to another but she would go to one room to another Mm. slamming doors and saying the same so what she's doing is developmentally appropriate the issue here is with each other and it's with the co-parenting or lack thereof let's be honest Um, but I suspect this parent knows this because as you were reading that I'm like question question oh you're answering your own question you're Mm. oh now you're Mm. hoping it's another fix I think you know what this is um, because this isn't a small issue Sean, like she's 14, it's going on two years. What it's doing is it's enabling her to split between you. And that's teaching her that neither of you are in control. 
Yeah. Neither yeah. of you are holding the structure. Neither of you are providing her with boundaries, with limits. Now, thank you for those boundaries, said no teenager ever. But she would thank you in terms of feeling safe, feeling contained, yeah. feeling held and being able to make other decisions. Yes, she's going to get cross and frustrated with you because that's part of the developmental task of adolescence. But she would feel safer in the relationship with it. I mean, to be honest with you, the disco is entry level for where this could go. Like that's mm, a, that's yeah. the beginning of it. That's the least of it. She will, this will continue to create many more issues in the relationship. And I suppose instead of maybe saying to your ex-partner, can you agree with me? Can you say no to her? Is to maybe say, why is it you're saying no? I think she's too young as evidenced by because I'm afraid of X, Y, Z happening. These are my concerns. And then if your ex-partner is like, I don't have these concerns, I think you're overreacting. The disco is on him, his time, his responsibility, the pick up, the drop off, the Mm. getting ready in his house. The works of it is happening there. I do think, though, again, this is not that's the disco. This is really not about the disco. It's about everything else. I do think you have to build communication and the journey to get back to. I'm going to say get back to because there was a time you were parenting together, but get back to some degree of mutual respect so that you don't. I mean, you can fake this till you really believe it. If you ever get to believe it, she needs to believe it. She needs to see that you are a united front on the parenting and that when she goes to one of you, the first reaction is, have you spoken to your other parent about this? Mm -hmm. Because I will be checking with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you say, I need to think about that, touch base with your other parent, and then we will come back to you with an answer. And even if it's through gritted teeth, even if it has to be by text message because you can't speak it out together, at least if you're giving her that consistent response, she's hearing, okay, they parent in the same way. I can't divide and conquer here because it's just going to be so problematic. I mean, look, if mediation would help with that, it is something to consider. But I I always say that with some degree of caution, because unless both of you are interested in improving this, then one of you is going to work really hard in mediation. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it could be both of them because of that fissure there that like they're uh, yeah. second guessing each other and even what might be, you know, that one person might deem to be a completely benign inquiry, the other might interpret as some sort of judgment. Or, Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. Uh, and and it that may well. be that you both are a bit iffy about the disco, but the motivation is I just want to disagree with you. And then you really have to step back and say, what's that about? That's a very adolescent behaviour in and of itself. And you do need to catch yourself in those moments. It can be very humbling to go, I'm kind of acting out here. I don't really have a strong feeling about this. I could row behind the other parent and agree with them. Why am I choosing not to? Yeah, yeah. And there is that bit of self-reflection that has to go on. But I think if, you know, you can only be responsible, any of us can really, Jean, for our own behaviours and responses. So maybe if you start this by saying, I need to talk to your other parents, we will come back to you and taking that approach, even if you feel, well, I'm the only one who does that. That's OK. Yeah. You yeah, do it. Yeah. You lead the way with it. And then through repeated experience, hopefully your ex-partner will also you know, reciprocate in kind that you're going and saying, I really want to do this together. I really want us both to be giving a response. This is the question. Here's my thoughts and views. What are yours? Can we meet somewhere in the middle? Being aware of what your red line issues are 
as in this is non-negotiable for me. But, you know, I could be flexible in other areas that I have. I'd rather she didn't, but I would be okay if she did. Yeah. And given she's 14 and they would have separated when she was about 12. 12. It's no good time for that to happen. That's a particularly difficult time, isn't it? Yeah, I would have thought. Absolutely. That's what I mean. What she's doing is actually very normal. It could get exacerbated and pronounced by the fact that they're not parenting together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. My three year old is gorgeous, bright and charming, but has a strong willed temperament and has had multi daily tantrums since about 14 months. This means our family is often walking on eggshells around him. I read I How to Talk So Little Kids Listen and other books about managing strong willed kids, which has helped to make day to day life a little easier. One of our main concerns is screen time. He has major tantrums about it going either excuse me, on or off. It's causing a huge amount of stress on us as a couple and we deal with it in different ways and he's getting wiser. We've tried visual timers, time warnings and they might work a few times but then we're back to square one. I don't allow them before school or bedtime as it makes life more difficult. I'm really starting to lose patience as the tantrums are getting worse and longer. We have a great routine to the day and sometimes when I need to get stuff done, the TV is a good help. My husband works very long shift hours. Do I need to go cold turkey with the TV or do you have any advice for me on how to deal with this for a more peaceful life? We also try timeouts but probably aren't consistent enough so it isn't working. He has been looked after by us at home full time now and there's three hours uh, ecky per day. I mean, the timeouts aren't working because he's three. Yeah. They're not going to work. So yeah. don't be driving yourself mad with that. That's that's going to just frustrate you and you'll be adding it to the list of things that you've tried and don't work. But a lot of the things you're trying are very behavioural focused. And at three years old, he doesn't have that sense of cause and effect. He doesn't have if I do X, then Y is the outcome. So if I do A, I could get B. Or well, would you look at that? I can make an informed choice here. That's not happening at three mm. years old. He doesn't have delayed gratification. He doesn't have good impulse control. So he's being three. And like you're seeing, he can go much louder and longer than you can (laughs) every single time. So we can call that a strong willed temperament or we can call that three. Yeah. And the truth is probably somewhere in between the two. He may be a little over and above your typical three year old expression. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's call it that. But otherwise, I'm going, yeah, that's his job. That's his job at three. The one thing I'm not hearing you're I mean, look, great that the books are working, but how to talk so kids listen, managing strong. There's a lot of talking in this. There's a lot of directing him verbally, you know, do this, don't do the other. What about the doing? At his age, they do communication rather than speak it. They're in what's happening. It's right here. It's right now. You need to use distraction and redirection with him instead of trying to negotiate with a three year old. <laughs> no, yes. um, you won't win that or you certainly won't win it as much as you think. And what you're going to get pulled into is incentivizing behavior with treats or consequences. And again, that's pulling you back into a behavioral model. I'm wondering about his outdoor play. I'm wondering about because in his Eki three hours, he's not getting screen time there and he's managing three full hours of that. So he can manage without it. But what are they doing there? He's very occupied. He's very distracted. He's got lots going on. He's moving from one thing to another. Um, Generally speaking, they do a lot of outdoor stuff as part of that programme and curriculum. So I'm wondering about outdoor play. I'm wondering about his play in general. The other thing you could try, because cold turkey, you know, without knowing this child, I'm not sure if that's going to be effective. I think he'll just scream and scream at you. And unless you can go the distance with that, 
you're going to give in yeah. and then you're back to inconsistency. Yeah. You know, you can get those um, story box things. Um, one type of them, I'm sure there are many, by the way, is the Tony box. And you put the little characters, you buy little characters separately and you click them in and they tell you the story. There's no screen, there's no imagery, but there is the auditory piece of a familiar book, story. I think you can get TV show characters that narrate a bit okay. of a story to you. Now, they're not cheap, like we're talking mm. 80, 90 euros-ish. Gosh, we're yeah. talking those individual little characters are also, I don't know, ballpark 15. So also be aware of audiobooks if you have Audible that you can get some children's ones, you could play it through that. Or even just looking up on Spotify um, authors who are reading their own children's books. There's plenty up there. I did have a quick look. There's loads. And if you yeah. have a Spotify account, play that. OK, so there are other ways of doing it or record yourself reading a storybook. So when you do have to do something, he can have that stimulation Yes, you know, the story yeah, that's going yeah. on, something he likes, something that's familiar and set him a task to do, you know, get him going on it, play with him a bit. Then you step away to do your thing. And it's going to take repeated effort with that because the other bit, Sean, and we're back to a little bit of the, the same with the 14 year old. You know, I've said it before that early adolescence is like a second bite at the developmental apple. Those terrible twos and threes quickly become terrible twelves, thirteens, mm. you know, and it's still about boundaries and limits and consistency. And here we have another one that as a couple, you're dealing with it in different ways. So he's getting wiser. He's not. He's three. And so all he's doing is he knows he gets different reactions from each of you. And that's confusing. Yes. So yeah. he's actually acting out of confusion and uncertainty. Well, why is it this way sometimes and why is it another way another time? He's not getting the yet, but he will. The ah, so I'll wait till this one's home and I'll get away <laughs> with it. You know, I know we think we're raising evil masterminds, but they're not really. Yeah. So I think you guys have to sit and say, all right, we're tackling this. How do we do it? Has he enough physical activity in his day for a busy little three year old like that? two to three hours of outdoor time. Is yeah. he getting that? Is there enough of you playing with him? Because at three years old, manage your expectations of how much solo independent play he he's do. capable yes. of. Yeah. You know, and what we're actually maybe expecting of him because he may be running out of road and going, well, I'm understimulated now and I don't know what to do. So put the TV on. That'll get me going. You're seeing he's showing you with behavior that's not suiting him. So actually, you need to take this. It's not about getting him to be in agreement with less TV. Mm. It's you just saying, I don't know where the remote is. Let's go on a treasure hunt and try and find it. Make sure you've hidden it well. <laughs> yes. All right. And not so well that you forget where you put it yourself. It's the voice of experience. But just do it that way that you make it into, well, let's hunt it out. Let's yeah. go on the, using that idea of that story. You know, we're going on a bear hunt. What will we find? Go outside, go here. All of a sudden, he's been looking for it for an hour and he's had a great old treasure hunt. Yeah. I can just foresee a situation where the parents are going, you have to go in and ask the three-year-old where that remote <laughs> where control is. is. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million Thank as you. ever. Uh, Joanna Fortune, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Want to take a break after that? Goodbye to the Ford Fiesta. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.